Hello, everybody, and happy November. My name is Dan Roselle, and I'm joined by John Fisher for this episode of Garden State of Hockey, the nicest episode. Uh, and as you know, there are some Devils happenings that took place this week, but we're going to cover more league news before we get into the next five of our top 25 under 25. So, John, how do you feel about the exciting news that the New Jersey Devils have officially re-signed defenseman Colton White? I went, I figured, and went on with the rest of my day. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Well, I mean, he's a restricted free agent who played primarily in Binghamton. He's likely going to primarily play in Binghamton. I think the more interesting news is whether or not Binghamton is going to have a season as the AHL recently uh, pushed back its uh, intended start date because they were saying literally at the top of their website, if you go to the, the AHL.com, a big red banner said at the stop, we're not starting the season until December 4th at the earliest. They pushed that back to February 5th, mm-hmm. which we'll see if they get that far. <laughs> so It becomes so, harder and harder Paul to White envision, the too, right? Like, with Europe going back into lockdown, several countries yeah. already declaring that they have to lock down for a few weeks. We can push these start dates all we want, but still, there's really zero clarity for where Colton White's going to be next season. Exactly. And and if you've paid attention to the top 25 under 25 list, uh, we had the outsiders posted last week. We had the first five listed on the week for the players that are expected to play in Binghamton. I wrote likely 2020-21 team <laughs> yeah. because, yes, they, under normal circumstances, they would be playing in upstate New York. But given the world situation, and I do mean the world situation, because uh, as much as you and I could sit here and say, oh, it's bad over there. It's bad here in New Jersey. It's not going to get any better. And as you said, in Europe, it's arguably worse with every country basically playing Calvin ball with its rules. Yeah. Um, even going as far as this morning, Joker had announced they're finally returning to play and they're intentionally playing with only 10 forwards because they only have 10 healthy <laughs> forwards. Oh, man. It's like, I don't know. It feels like we are pretty much doing what Europe does just several weeks later, which is based on how the spread is going. And if that being said, this news that we got about the OHL as well is in danger because uh, they announced a start date as well. And initially the news came with the announcement that they would not be body checking in the OHL, which if you are trying to prevent the spread of a highly infectious airborne disease, taking out body checking is like maybe... Oh god, I don't know a good metaphor for this, but you're basically not doing the job in full anyway, and you're just doing lip service at that point. It's like if somebody stripped you and you left you out in the public in the cold, and somebody said, "Hey, let me clothe you. Here's some socks." Exactly. <laughs> you know, like yes, you're reducing some uh, contact, but this is major junior hockey, Dan. This is not professional players with billionaire owners that can afford big jets and can pay off a giant bubble or, or expensive equipment. We're talking bus rides to every little suburb and little town in Ontario, uh, Canada. We're talking about arenas that are super old with benches where players are shoulder to shoulder anyway. We're talking about a sport where people literally face off for every stoppage. Yeah. Like there's locker rooms, which I am going to bet are not very large, especially if you're the visiting team. Where you know people are dressing, people are wearing equipment, um, spitting on the ice, people spitting out the verbals, chirping, if you will. I mean, we're talking about teenagers here, where they're not exactly the world's greatest uh, communicators here. I mean, 
you know, sometimes the spittle comes out as you're trying to insult somebody's mother. Um, well, you're like breathing heavily the whole game, right? You're you're pumping exactly. your skates the minute you're on the ice, and then when you're sitting on the bench, you're spending that whole time breathing quickly to recover. Yes, it's high intensity interval training in in, in a sport. Very <laughs> so, aerobic. Exactly. So, yeah. Um, what makes this even more of a drama and since there isn't any hockey going on in North America at the moment, unless you are following the USHL or the NAHL with the New Jersey 87s or um, college hockey should be starting soon, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that I think now that I said it, but in Ontario, the premier of Ontario, Doug Ford, who apparently I guess is the Canadian equivalent to a governor tweeted out, we're engaging with the OHL to create a safe return to play plan, which will need to be approved by health experts to date. No decisions have been made. I would like to see the OHL return as normal as possible with body checking. So now you have a political argument between the Minister of Sport of Ontario and the Premier of Ontario in public. So the drama will commence if you're living up north. Yeah, there's a lot to uh, a lot to determine still. But either way, Colton White will be in one of those two leagues, I would assume, to start the season if the season does start. Because while he did spend some time in New Jersey last year, I think based on what they've added this offseason and what they anticipate their pipeline to have for them, he doesn't really factor into a spot right away. No. I mean, he rated decently in the top 25 under 25. He was in that that outside range, but on the higher end of the list because he does get Mm call-ups. He got a six-game call-up. He got a call-up ahead of Josh Jacobs, which tells you exactly where Colton White fits into the death chart. Uh, (laughs) The fact is, yeah, his options are going to be Binghamton or New Jersey, and unless the NHL makes a rule saying we're going to have expanded rosters in case of the COVID-19 pandemic, um, yeah, I imagine White's going to be waiting until February, at best, to play in Binghamton. However they're going to do it, I couldn't possibly tell you. Yeah, and I just saw a piece of news as well about the the collegiate sphere where uh, the Big Ten announced the intention to start games on November 13th, but no team has actually scheduled any games yet. So oh. <laughs> they're, they're kind of hedging their bets there. Uh, and cutting it a little close. And cutting it close and arranging the schedule. And I would say even college has more resources than uh, the OHL in terms of moving teams from place to place, depending on the college, too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, colleges absolutely have more money in terms of, you know, just the organizations, athletic organizations are are better funded. I'm sure if necessary, you can call up one of your many rich boosters of the program. If you're a Michigan or a Penn State or a Minnesota, you know, one of these bigger colleges for hockey Mm -hmm. and say, hey, we need we need some extra funds for this year because of you know what? (laughs) Uh, And I'm sure they'll say, yeah, I like having college hockey because Michigan football failed again. So we're going to go with Michigan hockey this year with their pending 2021 draft picks entering the roster. <laughs> right. It's probably going to be an additional interest in Michigan in any case. But yeah, I mean, organizations like the Big Ten, which is a pretty large conference in sort of geography since it goes as far as Michigan and Minnesota all the way east to Penn State. I believe Arizona State's going to be playing a Big Ten schedule mm-hmm. where Cole Brady is entering as a freshman, Devil's Prospect goaltender. So, you know, you're going as far south as Arizona, potentially. So, yeah, I mean, the fact that we're 12 days out as we're recording this and they don't have any game scheduled, 
I, I, I'm going to bet there may be a further delay. To yeah, that. maybe a, maybe a slight one, at least until 2021, uh, maybe to coincide with what the NHL plans to do, which already has been a changed plan since the outdoor game that they had initially thought about uh, launching the season with is no longer viable uh, for venue reasons. But I'm guessing there's other reasons there as well. I have a feeling the union said a pond. Really? <laughs> yeah, they're like, we're, we're not doing that. While everyone is uh, stuck inside and no one can watch us. So that all being said, the Devils do re-sign Colton White as the overarching point. Uh, He has a two-way contract. Nothing too out of the ordinary. Nothing too unexpected there. Nope. And and basically Tom Fitzgerald's remaining uh, activities for the offseason at a minimum, Mm -hmm. I should say. Because he can always do more. I mean, Anthony Duclair and his... Now retrospectively bad decision to be his own player agent. Huh. Uh, you know he's available. Nick uh, Matt Hoffman, who has a bit of baggage, uh, not his baggage per se, but baggage. And um, you know the fact that I have a feeling he's pricing himself out of the market at the moment. Um, he's still available. There are still some viable names if the, if Fitzgerald wants to go out there and sign another veteran or more veteran winger to shore up the group but if he wants to go with the youth and the devils have a lot of youth to call up yeah um, he may want to keep that spot open but the only contracts that need to be signed for next season are the two big ones Mackenzie blackwood and jesper rock yes those are the only rfas remaining once they do that then they can call up some guys and have a full roster for whenever the 2020 2021 season will begin yeah those are the last pieces of like necessary business i would say that fitzgerald has to do because the goal isn't necessarily to put the devils in playoff contention this year it's to uh see what kind of growth they can get out of their younger guys but those two factor in greatly to any success the devils could potentially have so gotta resign blatt uh blatt combine the two names for a second there brat and blackwood uh my apologies to the boys but uh, that all being said, we have some other names to talk about potentially being future Devils. And that brings us to our top 25, under 25, the continuation. So last week, as you mentioned, we talked about the outsiders on the podcast, so those names that didn't make the top 25, but are still under 25 and within the Devils organization. Now we get to the five that are uh, numbers 21 through 25. So those five players, and we have a very heavily European influence here uh, in this group of players, except for one player, I'd say, and I'll let you touch upon that when we get to him. Yeah, so on Monday, we posted up um, the first five members of the top 25, under 25 uh, list at All About the Jersey for 2020. And um, as with tradition, we are going to be revealing them five at a time. So for the next five weeks, um, or four weeks after this one, I should say, um, we're going to be revealing who made the final cut. And again, the way we do this is that uh, all the different members of the staff, uh, yourself included, Dan, uh, we all get to vote. We all come up with our list of 50 of the 52 players. And then the community survey of all 52 players gets counted as another staff vote. We average out the ratings and that gives us our final result. So we definitely have some variation here. I would say with these five, um, I'm going to give obviously I'm going to discuss them in order, Dan, in reverse order. But if you were to sit there and go, John, I really think number 24 should be 21. <laughs> and number 21 should be 25. Like, you wouldn't be that far off. It was a very, very, very tight 
uh, result between these five guys. And I think uh, interesting, like one of interesting, these guys could potentially have moved up this list if this happened a week later. Oh, absolutely. I think if we were doing the voting right now, I would I would say he's a safe bet to be 20th or higher. Mm-hmm. But we'll get there. But the guy, but we're not talking about this guy. It's number 25 on the list, left winger Nikola Pasek. Mm-hmm. He plays for Linkoping HC. Now, he didn't play for Linkoping last season. He played for BIK Karlskoga, the Hockey Svenskan, which is the second tier of professional hockey in Sweden. So even though he was junior eligible, the Linkoping organization said, we want you playing pro hockey, just not with us right now. Yeah. So they sent him to this this team, and he actually did very well. He put up eight goals and 27 assists in 45 games. 35 points put him in a tie for 28th in the entire league in scoring last season. And more impressively, it was the most among all junior eligible players in the league. So all the players that are under the age of 20, Pasek had the most points. Nice. And even more impressive is that he did this while averaging just under 14 minutes per game and only 56 shots on net. So it's not like this guy went out there and, you know, dominated the puck and was firing at all cylinders all the time. If anything, you could argue he should be shooting the puck a little bit more than that. Mm-hmm. But he's very but efficient. He wasn't, right. He was very efficient with his production. And um, he was involved in a lot of production. I mean, being a top 30 goal scorer, or even even though he technically ended out in 35th because of the goals amount. Yeah. But still, 35 points in 45 games in a professional league at the age of 19 is impressive. Likewise, he did make Sweden's World Junior Championship team, albeit in a limited role. That's still another achievement for a guy who definitely wasn't highly touted, definitely wasn't highly highly sought after since he was a seventh-round pick in 2019. Mm -hmm. Now, he turned 20 on October 16th, and he got a very nice present from the Linkoping organization, a two-season contract extension. So So his SHL team believes in the player, and so far... They have kept him in Linkoping. He, he has not been sent back to BIK. He hasn't been sent back to their minor league or their junior league team. Um, they only played eight games so far because the whole organization has played eight games so far because of you know what? Yes. The coronavirus. Yes. <laughs> um, he's only averaged 10 minutes and 39 seconds per game. He only has one goal and 10 shots on net so far. But again, we're talking about eight games into the season here. Uh, I think the goal for this season is to see if he can work his way up the Linkoping lineup. And if he can, not only does Linkoping feel better about giving him an extension, but Devils fans should expect to see more of him in the future and possibly end up in North America in a couple of years. So, Welcome to the top 25 list, young man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a big jump in perception for him. And I think a lot of that has to do with just how late of a draft pick he was and the fact that yes. his name is mentioned more than you'd hear most seventh rounders mentioned. So I think that gap puts him in the top 25, uh, according to our survey. So congratulations to him for making the list. And this next guy is the guy we were talking about potentially making the jump from this 24 slot all the way above 20, and I think, honestly, he would deserve it at this point. It's Jaeger Sharangovich. Right. So when I did my list, I wasn't super thrilled with it. I didn't include him in my personal top 25. I put him at 32nd, uh, mostly because his AHL season didn't exactly jump off the page. Like, his second season in the AHL, he only scored eight more points. Um you know, the, the panel said he was getting better as the team was getting better, and he did get hot down the stretch. He did in his last 19 games. Um, he scored seven goals and eight assists, which, you know, that's a nice hot streak. But, you know, maybe it was also a sign of him figuring things out at the North American level. But I think what got people really excited, why I think you put him in your top 25, and you can confirm this or not, is his current play with Dinamo Minsk of the KHL. Yes. 
<laughs> I can yeah. confirm that that's what did it for me because he has been lighting it up this year in the KHL. Yeah, I mean, it's remarkable because we've talked about this before. If you're a young player in the KHL, specifically in Russia, you just don't play a lot. It doesn't matter if you have worldly talent or potential. You're just not going to play a lot. You just don't play a lot. Like, that's the hockey culture there. So the fact that Sharon Govich is 22, he's joining Dinamo Minsk after going to the AHL for two seasons. He's averaging 19 minutes and 22 seconds per game. <laughs> he's wearing a letter on his jersey. He's playing on both special teams. He's playing a lot for Dinamo Minsk. He's like an important player to them, Dan. Yep. And, and the biggest thing about him is the fact he has 10 goals in 20 games. And as of Halloween, so as of we're recording right now, Dan, he has the fifth most goals in the entire KHL right now. The entire <laughs> KHL. And he is not the oldest player by any means. No, he's he's 22. Like, like granted, I guess maybe in Russian hockey culture they say, ah, eh, you're past 21, we'll start treating you like a real player. Right. Um, but the fact of the matter is he's among league leaders and goals in arguably the most talented league outside of the NHL. Like, this is a little bit more than just, oh, he had a hot streak down the stretch, maybe we like this guy now. I think there's now like, more of a reason to think, yeah, this guy really is growing as a player. He, he's got some serious talent, maybe, just maybe. If you bring him back to North American hockey in the future, he will translate some of this and, you know, he could be an NHL player in the future. So as a result, he moved all the way up to 24th on our list. And again, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, Dan. If we were doing this list right now, I think he'd be much higher. Yeah, I, I think that if perception is key in making this list, then by the week, his perception keeps getting better. So very happy that you know someone who found success late with Binghamton last year managed to carry that over and that wasn't just a blip so good to see good to hear uh from our favorite Yegor and or <laughs> really the the last only the last Yegor standing at a certain point but yeah good good for him and keep watching him I would say he's probably the most exciting guy to watch or to be watching right now for the New Jersey Devils prospects because he's really the only one playing in a league that's or playing a major role in this big league that, uh, you know, is uh, everyone acknowledges the second best of the NHL. Exactly. Like this isn't, you know, no disrespect to the others who are getting loaned out and, you know, getting like a decent amount of ice time, but 19 minutes per game is big minutes, like league, you know, team leading minutes on your team. Like, you know, Minsk, like if for whatever reason, North American hockey doesn't work out for him at the very least, Dino Minsk will probably jump over everybody possible to sign this guy and keep him around for a right, while. Right. So, so credit to Sharon Govich for making the most of his situation. Yeah. So good for Yegor and right above him is someone who probably got a big jump in perception the last couple of years. Uh, based on his play in junior. So now he has to wait and see when and where he starts the season. But it's Graham Clark, uh, who had a pretty rough injury last year. Oh, yeah. It, it, it would surprise me that he's, he, he finished 23rd in last year's list, and he ended up in 23rd in this year's list. Um, I moved him off my top 25, but some people have him still in their top 25, including the community survey. I'll, I'll touch on that in a moment. But you're absolutely right, Dan. It was a really rough season. In theory, it was it was expected to be a huge 2019-20 season for Clark. He was the top right winger on the top line on what would be the top junior hockey team in the CHL, the Ottawa 67s. He was on a line with Marco Rossi, Dan. Yep. 
120-point Marco Rossi. Imagine if he got to play with Marco Rossi the whole season. Not only would Clark probably have over 50 goals, but Rossi probably would have had way more than 120 points. Well, Clark would probably be top 10 on this list. <laughs> well, I don't think he would top get that 15, far. Top 15, sorry. I, yeah, I mean, I think people still remember the, the tale of Reed Boucher, but oh, nevertheless. He, anyway, he actually but, scored a goal recently that I, th- I think in the was he SHL now? And there was a highlight and I saw his face and I was like, who is that guy? I know that man. And it turns out it was Reed Boucher and it blew my mind because he, like Clark was known as a junior scorer. Uh, but he hopefully unlike Clark didn't really pan out in the NHL. No, the, the skill set wasn't um, good enough for the next level. Uh, despite what Vancouver fans may want to tell you mm. uh, in any case, but the season started off well enough for Clark. He scored seven, seven goals in his first nine games. And then he injured his shoulder after a goal celebration, which re-injured the shoulder, and it required surgery to repair the labrum. Yep. And the head coach's initial reaction, uh, according to the Ottawa Sun, the first quote they put in it, and I know it's the Sun, so it's like kind of tabloidy, but you know, I think it's both a compliment and a regret that the coach's initial reaction is nobody can replace 50 goals. <laughs> Which, which again, I, you know, it speaks to Clark's talent level because he is known for his shooting. He is known for his release. He is known for his finishing. He is known for his offensive skills. And the fact that, again, he was on a top line with Marco Rossi, <laughs> you know, 50 goals is a lot to ask for in a 68 game OHL season, which of course the OHL did not get to play because of the coronavirus, mm-hmm. but it was entirely possible. And the, and so he missed four months of the season. And when he did come back, he only played seven more games. He only scored two more goals. And then the coronavirus pretty much ended the OHL season early, like everything else in, in, in North American hockey. So Clark never really got a chance to really get his groove back after the injury. So, you know, the massive injury combined with the coronavirus really cut his season short. I think the big reason why he made the top 25 is I think there's still enough belief in his talent that, um, you know, and the reality is the Devils had, did not have a lot of strong shooting, strong finishing wingers in their system. Now that's a little bit better now because they have Nolan Foote and they just drafted Alexander Holtz. Mm-hmm. But there's still faith in, in Graham Clark. And I think if he's able to return to the OHL season, because as we discussed earlier, the OHL, they want to return, but there's clearly going to be a political fight over how they're going to return. If there truly is going to be no body checking, if that's somehow enforced, which I really don't understand how it's yeah, going to be enforced at the OHL level. Yeah, like Michael Vukocevic, you know, devil's prospect, you know, his whole game is literally based on being a big physical defenseman. I don't know what he's going to do. But if that's really true, if they, and if they somehow can minimize body checking, a guy like Clark could really excel since his whole game is about finding open spaces, getting into soft zones and coverage, and just whipping shots at the net. Mm-hmm. So assuming the OHL gets a season, because as we discussed, I think the concern about the virus spreading is really going to be more about things that aren't mentioned by the Minister of Sport of Ontario, like sitting on the bench and breathing in hockey and being in a locker room and being on a bus with your uh, teammates on your way to Sarnia, uh, <laughs> you know, or or North, or North Bay or Salt St. Marie or wherever you're going, um, you know, but 
if he is able to thrive somehow and really bounce back and show that his shoulder injury is a thing of the past, I think he'll stay at the he'll stay at about this range in, in future years of the top 25 list. Yeah, and it's not like the Devils have a glut of wingers in the system. You mentioned that they just added a few scoring wingers, but it's still not like they're overloaded with them. So he'll still get plenty of chances to uh, to make the squad, also depending on what the Devils do with some of the veterans whose contracts are expiring or who they might trade away. So he'll have a chance as well to prove himself. I, I think he has good enough standing within the organization, as does this next guy, uh, Marion Studenich, who's number 22 on our list. Yeah, he fell a couple – he fell about six spots. Actually, no, I take that back. He fell five spots. I can add. Uh, fell five <laughs> spots from 17th last year to down to 22, which I think is a function of new new players entering into the list, into the system. Um, that being said, I think his place on the depth chart moved up by default since Joey Anderson was traded away, since Studenich is a right winger. And the Devils need right wingers. So Studenich, his uh, opportunities for the future are not blocked out. Or, or held back or stuck behind Joey Anderson, among others. Uh, that being said, he had a very similar season to Sharon Govich. His second season of the OHL on paper does not look all that remarkable. 17 points in 37 games. Um, however, it was noted by Jeff and his panel that he was improving in his performances as the season went on. And it's possible that, you know, as Binghamton itself was a better team, that he played better which comes into this chicken or the egg argument is, is it the team that made student each better or did student each playing better, help the team play better. Right. And I include Sharon Govich and our 21st member on this list in, in that particular uh, discussion. But I think what really helped his cause with respect to the rankings is his current loan. Um, student each is playing for eight C Sloven Bratislava in the tip sport Liga, which is Slovakia's top hockey league. Mm-hmm. Not exactly a powerhouse hockey league in the world of European hockey, but still first team professional hockey, you know, it's something in a country that it, competes in the Olympics. I think that's enough for me. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I mean, it's more important at, on a loan rather than the strength of the league is that you're playing a lot. Yes. And, and keep that in mind when we talk about the next guy on our list. Um, student each. I don't have a whole lot of details about ice time, but he's played four games and he has three goals and one assist. He now granted the coronavirus has forced the team to enter a quarantine. And so they haven't played since October 11th. I believe they're scheduled to play today as we're recording. Mm-hmm. So they may even be playing right now as we're talking since Slovakia is, what, six, seven hours ahead of us. Nevertheless, um, he scored two of his three goals in their last game. So he's made an instant impact abroad, and it helps the idea that he's still a talented young player, and he literally just turned 22 a couple days ago. So he's, you know, it's not like, you know, he's going on 23 and you're starting to wonder, I don't know, I don't think this guy has it. Um I think it's important that he, one, that he's healthy, and two, that he continues to pr- produce with Slovan Bratislava. And then if and when he, he does come back to Binghamton, he shows that growth. He shows that he's not just going to be a middle six, bottom six winger who will just be plugged and played in whenever at the age level, that he's you know a serious player, and that will help his cause. Mm-hmm. And help make that right-wing competition in New Jersey and Binghamton even tighter. Um, I will also point out in the research I did for this post is that there's a fan Twitter account devoted to Marion Studenich <laughs> and only Marion Studenich. So give a shout out to twitter.com slash page fan page Studenich. And it's a Twitter account devoted to all things related to the player. Yeah. All the clips. Ho- hopefully they just past clips. absolutely blow up when he joins the NHL because uh, that's very specific for a player who ranks 
22nd on a uh, fan website's rank of the top 25 players under 25 in an organization. Right. But hey, it's the internet. You know, if you believe in a player, you believe in a team, it, it does. who cares if you're the only one doing it? Mm-hmm. Be that one person. Right. Don't let your dreams be dreams, kids. Right. Or adults. And uh, a lot of I people hope... were made believers of this next guy on our list and the final guy that we'll, we'll cover today. Uh, seeing what they saw last year at training camp and in the exhibitions and really how he performed in the first couple of months of the season and now how he's doing in Russia as well. It's Mikhail Maltsev. Yeah, so he comes in as the last player of this first five to be revealed. Um, Mikhail Maltsev, who finished 21st last year and ended up in 21st this year. Um, Some people moved him down. I kept him at 21. Some people have him a little higher. He he averaged out to be 21, so credit to him. Do you like toolsy players, Dan? Do you like players that have some nice little bits of skill here and there that you maybe didn't expect from guys, Dan? Yeah, I mean, more in baseball when you think of a five-tool player, but in hockey, it's definitely possible. Sure. Well, how would you like a six foot three, two hundred twenty pound, twenty two year old center, um, who's got some, who's got some dangles, who's got some moxie, and um, he, and he actually plays with a blend of physicality and speed that you would expect from a six foot three, two hundred twenty pound center. <laughs> I would, I would like that a lot. And if he can pan out in the NHL, I'd like that even more. Well, I basically just described the reasons why people like Mikhail Maltsev. Mm-hmm. Um, now, he just played his rookie season in North America last year. And similar to what I what we talked about with Sharon Govich and Studenich and you know what we've also discussed in the past about Binghamton is the fact that as Binghamton got better, you know, he started playing better. And as a result, most of his 11 goals and 10 assists in 49 games came in 2020 as opposed to 2019. However, Maltsev also was making his own adjustments to the AHL game. Unlike Sharon Govich and Studenich, this was his first season with the AHL. And the panel, the panel, you know, Jeff and his panel of people who follow Binghamton closely, they do evaluations. You know, the guy, uh, Duncan, on the panel actually pointed out saying he does have an NHL future. He has NHL level tools. And it was just a matter of him putting it together. And, you know, and in the stars of the game that uh, Jeff puts on, you know, when he recaps games for the B-Devils, Maltz have ended up with the most stars of the game, believe it or not. Okay. So, I mean, you know, considering that the team did have Brett Cini, did have – you know, did acquire Merkley. It did acquire, you know, you got Gillis Sen that they really, really went, really liked on the panel. Mm-hmm. And Maltsev, you know, really stood out, which is, you know, a lot better than what I could say about Sharon Govich or Studenich or some of the other AHLers we mentioned last week. And of course, you know, I think another reason is the dangles. You know, he went two for four on shootouts, <sighs> which, you know, if you're going to be, a, even if you're a potential fourth line player, if you can contribute on special teams or in shootouts, that helps you get into the NHL. And if you're like, a Devils fan, you know that that could be the difference between making the playoffs and not making it. Yeah, and I know it's a preseason goal, but he put on an absolutely stunning preseason goal where he basically, you know, deked out two our, two defenders of our hated rivals and beat Alexander Georgiev, who is an NHL-level goaltender. And yes, it was an exhibition game, but you have to have bravery. You have to have some spine to want to pull off a move like that in what is effectively a tryout. Mm-hmm. So... You know, I think there's enough there to say, okay, I want to see more of this guy. Now, here comes the surprise. Now, this is why I'm a little surprised he ended up at 21, even though I ranked him at 21, in my opinion. Okay. And this is why I guess the big mystery among all five players we're talking about. So Maltsev was loaned out to the Giants of the KHL. I don't mean the New York Giants of the KHL. I mean, like, <laughs> they're a big team in the KHL. 
I apologize to the New York Giants or maybe the team, given how bad the Giants are this year. Uh, Scott St. Petersburg. I think we. I think you and I would agree. Scott St. Petersburg is probably the biggest team in the KHL, Dan. Yes, they are okay. directly endorsed by the leader of the country. Yeah, I would say that would be enough to put them at number That's one. That's a qualifier for me. <laughs> right. Here's what I don't understand. So he gets loaned out and joins the team at the end of September, right? Mm-hmm. He has played just four games for Scott St. Petersburg. Now, when he played in those games, he averaged 13 minutes and 51 seconds. So it's not like he was just being their 14th forward and getting like five minutes a game. Like he played a decent amount of minutes. He went 36 for 59 on face-offs, so he won a majority of his face-offs in those four games. Mm-hmm. He had an assist and 10 shots on net. You know, I don't know very much Russian, Dan, and I don't know many Russian sources. So I was trying to Google or Bing and ask on Twitter, like, what's happened? Is he injured? Is he in quarantine? Do the Scott coaches just want to play other forwards ahead of him? Because I'm sure Scott St. Petersburg has more players than what they, you know, knowing what they can do with. Because it makes no sense that he's only played in four games so far. So Ska is a very interesting case in in Russia as well, where because they have this eye on them pretty much all the time, they can't do things like integrate young players as seamlessly as other teams can, even though their their main directive is to win all the time at any cost. It's it's not unlike any other sports team, except for the fact that there's consequences for them if they don't. So, Yeah, understood. Like, but I think he's going to have a much tougher time getting in on a team that has still, like, a legend at, like, Pavel Datsuk playing what could be his position. Right. I mean, you know, I'm just briefly looking at the Scott St. Petersburg roster here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, there's just a lot of players on this team. Yep. Like, I understand... <laughs> European rosters are, tend to be larger than the NHL's rosters because, you know, the NHLPA and the NHL only wants, you know, 20 active skaters in a game. And I think in Europe you can have m- more than that. I think you can have a fifth line of forwards or four pairings of defensemen. Um, but, you know, I'm looking at the Scott St. Petersburg lineup right now, and they don't list position, you know, easily on the site. Mm-hmm. Thank you, KHL, or the English equivalent to the KHL website. <laughs> but I'm looking at, like face-off takers and of course i'm clicking on defensemen they don't take face-offs you know their top defense you know their top centers right now are junis kempeninen lindy linden vey former nhl player who is in the nhl for a bit of time ivan morozov and then you've got a bunch of dudes who have only taken you know maybe a couple hundred like miro altonin yakov trenin and then you get to the vladislav kamenev maltsev actually comes in you know and then you have Slapakov, Yakimov, Kusnadinov, who is just drafted. Um, you know, and all these got the you know from Kamenev down. They they haven't even played ten games. Trenin has only played in twelve games. So I don't know if it's an injury, but you know I understand what you're saying, Dan. Like with Scott St. Petersburg, it's tough to make it into the lineup. I also I know Scott had a COVID outbreak. Okay, so maybe it is a quarantine situation, and maybe Maltsev was impacted by that. Yeah, I, I think they famously had a COVID outbreak. Okay, so that would that would better explain why he's only played in four games. Mm-hmm. And that, see, because my point was going to be, like, if it's just the case, as, as you said, he's not able to break into the lineup, then the Devils kind of need to do, do Maltsev a solid here and get him onto a team well, that'll play him. Like, the whole point of a loan, just like in soccer— is you want the player to play. Yeah. <laughs> so it does you no good to just 
take practices with, you know, with Scott St. Petersburg. <laughs> That's not what's going to help you. You might as well just stay home, stay in North America and do drills with, um, you know, Nick, Nick Merkley, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, you might as well do that. I mean, um, I, I don't know how the contracts work. I know Scott St. Petersburg is being the big team. Maybe they will just say we're Scott St. Petersburg too bad. We can sign whoever we want. want all the time. <laughs> you can't tell, you can't tell us what to do. We have the leader of Russia behind yes. us. Uh, so, uh, but you know. yeah, I, I'm looking up an article and Scott was one of the teams along with, um, Salavat Yulayev, which had a major, major outbreak of coronavirus. Right. And I know that was Salavat Yulayev. That's a big reason why Shakir Mukhamadoulin is even playing for them mm-hmm. is because they need bodies. Cause unlike other countries where you would think an outbreak would mean let's postpone games, let's postpone, uh, the season, let's not play games. Apparently in Russia, the answer is just get more fresh bodies in there. Body, body, body. <laughs> there was a <laughs> point on, where uh, we got games to play. There was a point where Scott was missing five of their top eight scoring forwards. Oh, goodness. So, yes. yeah, that, that could explain a lot of what's going on there. And also, you know, it could explain how he has four games in general, because uh, maybe he only got in those games when that outbreak was happening. And otherwise, they just kind of stash him. Yeah, but they could. Let him play in the VHL, which they is could. their AHL equivalent. So, I mean, in, in ret- if I'm the New Jersey Devils, if I'm Tom Fitzgerald, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get my con- my Russian contacts to let me know what's the situation. If it's really a quarantine situation and under normal circumstances you would be playing, mm-hmm. even if it's like fourth line minutes because it's, you know, as you said, it's Scott St. Petersburg. He's got to be playing. Like, that's just my – at the end of the day, he has to be playing. But getting back to the list, there's reason to have hope in Maltsev. You know, yes, he's 22. Yes, he'll be turning 23. By next year's list. So it's, you're getting to that point where it's almost like, if not now, then when. But there's a reason to believe that if you stuck him in the NHL, maybe he would show up enough of those tools that we talked about and could hang out in the New Jersey Devils lineup, even if it's just as a depth forward, which, you know, hey, that's a player. That's a prospect you're developed. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, we've seen around a lot more when people do um, projections of several years down the road. Maltsev's name appears there more than a few times. So I think a lot of people believe in that skill set and a lot of people are excited to see what he can bring. And I think, like we talked about at the top of this discussion, a lot of that has to do with how he performed at camp and in the exhibitions last year. Yeah. So in retro, you know, if let's say we didn't have the coronavirus, uh, (laughs) I know if, If. um, you know, in the NHL season concluded in a full 82-game season. Maybe we would have seen Maltsev play in the NHL last season. I'd like to think that since the Devils had nothing to play for, just call up guys to see what they would do. I'd like to think Maltsev would have been one of those guys to, you know, just give him a taste of the NHL. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see if he gets that taste in this coming season. And um, if he is truly in quarantine because of illness, I hope he is feeling better. Yeah. So uh, that all being said, that's our top that's our bottom five of the top 25, which, as a reminder, was Pasic, Sharangovich, Clark, Studenich, and Maltsev. And obviously next week we'll have the next five names, and we're starting to get into pretty familiar territory for Devils fans, um, and specifically Devils fans too, New Jersey Devils fans, because there's some Binghamton players at this stage, but there's also some players that have spent a significant amount of time with New Jersey as well. So we're getting into yes. that area of the list. And uh, yeah, we'll be sure to bring that to you. And alongside any other Devils news that comes out or any other league news that comes out in the next week. Uh, but in the meantime, I, I've got nothing else for today. How about you? I just hope everybody is stay safe. 
you know, be smart about things and, um, you know, hope, you know, just take things as it comes. Unfortunately, you know, even we're basically in the doldrums of the off season again, again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, with the, with, at least in, in the summer, there was NHL hockey to watch, right. you know, there was NHL games to discuss. There was ways to fill your time. I don't know about you, Dan, but that, that week and a half of, you know, games literally running from, you know, noon to midnight was a wonderful time. Oh, it was awesome. Yeah, it was great. It was great, even though the Devils had no, well, they, I shouldn't say no stakes in it, but no direct stakes in it outside of drafting position. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I hope everybody is just, you know, just do the best you can out there with whatever happens over the next month or so. Mm-hmm. All right. So, yes, stay safe, stay careful, and make sure that you're following along with any Devils news that might come out. And you're following along with the top 25 under 25 list that we Uh, have produced for you with your input included so all that being said thanks for listening to this episode of garden state of hockey we will catch you guys next week and uh yeah have a great rest of your day